Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. I guess, I guess my main outcome for this morning is I want to present you with a few um, Christian views of hell um, and a few alternatives because we need to think for ourselves. I think it's important that we approach things with curiosity and an open hand and realizing that none of us have a, uh, a monopoly on theology. Um, and it's really important to kind of approach stuff like this with a real humility and an open hand and a teachable, teachable heart, because this is actually a, a topic that I find is really interesting because in our culture, I actually think we're quite afraid of death. Um, everyone is to some extent f- afraid of death, but we've, we've done our best in Western culture to insulate ourselves from, from death. Um, you know, we see that within our, our food system. You know, we have bacon in the fridge instead of a pig in the backyard. Um, but we do it as well with, with the elderly, right? We sort of, you know, we, we, put, we put people that are close to death in old people's homes and away from us and so that we don't see it. And, and things happen in the hospital that we don't see. We sort of keep it out of our mind's eye. Whereas, you know, a couple hundred years ago, grandma would be living in your home and, and she would die in your home and we'll be, and you'd be, you know, growing your own food and, and raising your own flock and all that sort of stuff that would face you with, with the reality that we are finite all the time. Um, and I think we've done so well in our culture to kind of insulate ourselves from that. Um, which means that our culture doesn't actually think about the afterlife that much. We don't really think about, uh, what happens to us when we die until we are faced with death. And I see this time and time again, you know, at funerals, I've taken a few um, funerals of people that, that don't know Jesus. And um, it's so interesting, the language that comes out of people that normally wouldn't talk like that, but they, they say, oh, they're in a better place or they're watching over us or I can't wait to see them one day. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11 says that eternity is written in the hearts of men, in the hearts of, of people. There's something deep within us that actually aches and questions and wonders about the forever, the eternity. Um, and I, I think this eternity question, what happens after death, is actually a huge question for our, for our culture. We just don't talk about it that much. Um, Mike Frost, a couple of weeks ago, when he was talking about evangelism, talked about how often well, we're trying to answer questions that people don't have, but we need to answer questions that people do have. And we li- need to live lives that are questionable so that people are actually asking questions. And I think this is actually a question that a lot of people have in, in our world, that we wonder and we think about the afterlife. We just don't have many places to talk about it. Um, this is kind of just became anecdotally evident to me because we put a little thing up on our Instagram stories saying, you know, what questions do you have about hell? And it was just like overwhelming, the thoughtful, um, curious questions that came from just all sorts of different people. And I just think there is, there is something in us that has this desire to think about the afterlife. I don't know if you've seen 
um, the TV show The Good Place. Anyone, anyone seen it? Give me, give me a wave. Any fans? It is. I, I think it's a brilliant show because it it gives us a um, a kind of a philosophical view of how we view the afterlife in in the West. Um, and it's all about the good place and the bad place and how people get there and working out what system there should be to work out who's good and who's who's bad. And it is really, really interesting. And I think a, a good um, gauge on where our culture is at and how we think about those things. Um, but, but the truth is the doctrine of hell, the Christian doctrine of hell is actually one of the most offensive doctrines that, that the Christian faith holds. Um, because our, our society values individuality, we value um, perspective truth, we value uh, finding your own truth within yourself, We've, we value having our own freedom and choice and autonomy in life. And to say that there is some external force or external uh, measurement or external judgment that is imposing their morals on me is really, really offensive because we want to be our own guiding light. Um, and so therefore, you know, we've been talking about evangelism and sharing and being and bringing good news. When it comes to sharing the story of scripture, um, how, how we view and think about the afterlife and hell is really important because there is an element of offensiveness to it, right? So I want to just take a, a little brief survey um, through both the Bible and kind of the history of Christianity around what the Bible says about hell. Um, the first thing I really want to say and get across, and this might sound like heresy to start with, is that I, I am really convinced that there is not a biblical view of hell. What we have are a bunch of views of hell that are derived from the Bible. And the Bible itself is not very clear. It's quite muddy around what hell is. And the reason for that is the Bible, the story of scripture is not that interested in answering the questions that we want, to, we want answered. Um, and often, and I think growing up in kind of the Protestant evangelical stream, we, we kind of sometimes view the Bible as trying to give us the answer of where we go when we die. How do we get to the good place rather than go to the bad place? But the story of scripture is, is actually not, not that interested in that. It's not about us going to heaven, but about heaven coming to us. It's about deep communion with the father through the work of Jesus, through the empowering of the spirit in community. Um, and the Bible is kind of unraveling that thread through generation after generation after generation. And so there is a lot that the Bible says about hell, but it's not the end goal of, of the text. And so when it comes to understanding what the Bible is saying about hell, it's really important to know that we are inferring a lot of stuff We're we're interpreting a lot of what it says. Um, there are three overarching Christian views of hell. Um, now there's a lot of nuance in there. There's a lot of debate and there's, uh, you know, lots of other things. There's some other theories as well, but th these are three key ones that I want to share this morning. Um, uh, let me just read a few of the verses in the Bible where we get that, that common image of, of hell. 
Isaiah 66 verse 24 talks about um, the worms that devour them will never die and the fire that burns them will never go out. That's kind of where we start to get this image of kind of this inferno that is hell. Mark chapter 9, Jesus quotes that that same verse and he's talking about, um, he said, "It's, it's better for you to cut off your hand or lose your eye than go into the eternal flames of hell. He quotes that verse from Isaiah 66. Matthew 8, um, verse 12, Jesus speaking, he says, many Israelites, he's, he's talking about um, the kingdom of God being opened up to gen- Gentiles, not just Israelites. And he says, many Israelites will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Classic, classic line. Not a very uh, nice image there. Matthew 25, Jesus uh, shares this parable of the sheep and the goats. And it's just this parable of like of separating two types of people. Um, and he says, the sheep, they're, they're the ones that that uh, cared for cared for me when you gave someone a cup of water or you closed someone or you visited someone in prison. Uh, you did that to Jesus. And the goats are the people that said, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but you actually never knew him. And it says of the goats that they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous, those who have good, right relationship, will go into eternal life. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 says, and, and those who ref- refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus, they will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and his glorious power. This is just like a basic, basically a list of very depressing Bible verses, but we'll get there. Jude 7. I've got two more to share. Jude 7 um, says those cities, it's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, which are two cities that were destroyed in the Old Testament, were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning to the eternal fire of God's judgment. And then Revelation 20, verse 10. Then the devil was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So what we have is a, a, a range of scriptures that make up kind of the um, kind of the basis where we get that image of hell, eternal fire, lakes of fire, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, one thing I just want to say really quickly is around this idea of judgment that at some point um, at, at the final resurrection, that it says that Jesus will be our judge. He will bring judgment. Um, And that is really an offensive thing in our culture because to judge someone in our culture is actually one of the worst things you could do, right? To say that someone is judgmental. Um, And it goes back to that individualism thing that I have my own choice and autonomy over over my life. And so for me to put a judgment on someone else is is one of the most offensive things we can do in our culture. Um, But I, I really like to think about this. I think a better way to think about judgment is that of a judge. What does a judge do? A judge takes a situation that is horrible and messed up and tries to rectify it, tries to make things right. And so when we hear that phrase, God is judge or God's going to bring judgment, what we need to hear is not um, God is inferring a, a moral code on us. It's, it's God is judging the world, bringing the best out of the world and making things right. The world is a mess. The world is falling apart. And the judgment is Jesus coming to remake things, to make the world right again. Okay, 
how are we going? Give me a wave if you're still if you're still here. Give me a wave if you're a little bit depressed. Oh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. That's good. <laughs> um, three three Christian views of of health. The first one, this is by far probably the most the most dominant one through church history. Um, it's called eternal conscious torment. Uh, this is kind of the classic view of hell. So that says that hell is a real place. It is eternal, like it lasts forever. Uh, it is conscious so that someone who's in hell is consciously aware that they're in hell and it's, it's torment, it's, it's torture. It's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's, it's fire and sulfur. Um, and so the proponents of this view would say that those who do not accept Jesus as Lord will be sent to this place for all eternity, for forever. Once a person is in hell, they, there is no exit. There's no way to get out. Um, and this has been the, the most dominant view through, through church history. The second view is called annihilation or annihilationism, which is a hard word to say. Um, and instead of saying that hell is um, eternal forever, and conscious and tormenting. Um, this view is saying that the biblical fire of hell, that image of hell is, is the image of fire is like normal fire. If you throw something into fire, it gets consumed. It gets annihilated. It gets destroyed. And so the, the fire of hell that's represented in, in those scriptures is not one of tormenting, but rather of, of consuming. People are destroyed. They cease to exist. There is no more. And, and kind of the logic behind this is that only God is immortal. Um, and the human soul is not, a, is not immortal. That is actually a, a platonic idea, a, a guy called Plato, sort of Greek, Greek philosophy that says that we have a soul and a body and they're two separate things. It's, it's dualism and that our soul goes somewhere when we die. A lot, a lot of modern Christi Christianity is actually... Um, Founded from Plato, not the Bible. Um, but uh, the thought beh behind annihilation is that the human soul is not immortal unless it's connected to relationship with God, who is the only immortal being. And so to be disconnected from God, to choose not to have relationship with God, you essentially cease to exist. Um, classic Bible verse, John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not cease to exist, but have everlasting life. Um, the other thing that's really interesting, there's, there's only one place that the word eternal is defined, where eternal life is defined in the Bible. It's in John chapter 17. It says this, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And so we often think of eternal life as like forever life. That's a very um, uh, a modern thinking that like the word eternal means forever. But the definition that we find of eternal life is actually depth of relationship. Eternal life is relationship with God. And that's why when the scribe comes to Jesus and says, how do I have eternal life? What does he say? He says, love God and love your neighbor. It's, it's a relational thing. It's, it's less about uh, quantity of life it does infer that but it's more about quality of life i think a better way to um translate the word eternal when you read it into our sort of common language is permanent how do i have permanent life life now and 
everlasting. So eternal conscious torment, annihilationism, annihilationism. It's a good tongue twister. And the third one is Christian universalism. Um, so this is different to kind of general universalism, which says that all roads lead to God. Um, doesn't matter what you believe. We'll all end up in the same place. Christian universalism is actually a historic um, uh, orthodox view that, that a lot of church fathers had held. Um, it says that the only way to God is through Jesus. But even after death, you can choose to align yourself with King Jesus. So um, in contrast to eternal conscious torment, which is like if you're in hell, you're there forever, or annihilation, which says if you go to hell, you're gone, no more. Um, Christian universalism says that hell is not for punishment or destruction, but for restoration. That hell is actually a process that we can go through to align ourselves with Jesus. So the, the eternal fire is not so much for tormenting like it is in eternal conscious torment. The fire is not for destruction like it is in annihilationism, but the, the fire is for purifying. So uh, you think about um, uh, the process of purifying metal, right? It goes through fire, all the imperfections come out. It's a process of getting rid of all, all the gunk in life. And so Christian universalists will say that um, the fire of hell is about um, that process of how does God get rid of the greed and the abuse and the, um, the, the cancer and the systemic injustice and racism and all the stuff that is like actually not good with the world. It's the process of God destroying those things. It's about restoration, not punishment. Um, a couple of verses that Christian universalists will hold to, uh, will point towards Colossians 1 verse 20 that says that through Christ, God reconciles everything to himself, um, not just the people that believe in him, but uh, eventually he reconciles all creation. Um, Revelation 21 verse 5, is God speaking, he says, behold, I am making everything new, um, not just some things, but I'm remaking everything. Uh, Revelation 21 and 25 is that image of, of um heaven and earth coming together. There's this garden city. Uh, the new Jerusalem drops into heaven. It's not us going to heaven, but it's heaven coming to earth, a new heavens and a new earth, a new creation. Uh, and, and it describes the city of God and it says its gates will always be open. And so Christian universalists will often point to that, says there's, there's always a way into the city of God, um, even after death, that life on earth isn't just like a test to see if you go to the good place or a bad place, but it's about the continuation of the story of God redeeming all things. C.S. Lewis, famous author, held to this view. He said that the gates of hell are locked from the inside. Um, and Robin Parry, who is a, um, a, a, theolo a theologian on, on kind of eschatology, hell and, and heaven, he said, Christian universalism is not a newfangled liberal theology. Some people would want to think that. Um, it's an ancient Christian theological posi position that in early church stood alongside annihilation and eternal torment as a viable Christian opinion. And so what we have here are three um, biblical views, three differing views that different people in church history have held. Um, and I, I guess this morning, I want you to know that there are a lot of ways to think about the same issues. And um, 
a lot of Christians will want to take one of those things, um, usually the first one, eternal conscious torment, and say that if you don't believe in that, that, that you're not a Christian. Um, but I just want to let you know that that's, that's actually um, not true, in my opinion. Um, that it doesn't matter where you land on these things, as, as long as you are seeking to faithfully interpret the story of Scripture, faithfully interpret what Jesus is doing in the world, then, um, you know, there's always stuff we're going to get wrong. And uh, so I'll tell you where I personally stand at the moment, and I um, reserve my right to change my mind tomorrow um, because I, I want to hold this in, in a real open-handed way because I don't have a complete hold on theology. I don't have a complete hold on Christian history and orthodox and doctrine. Um, but I, I would call myself a hopeful universalist that like, that's the, the last one, the Christian universalism thing is the one that I, that I hope to be true. It's the one for me that aligns best with, um, the overarching story of, of scripture and the message of Jesus. Um, I think if you look at the actual, uh, verses on hell, um, like the ones that we read out and, and many others, I think annihilationism is actually the, the most um, biblically faithful way to interpret the scripture. Um, that's, that, that's kind of with my hermeneutic and my understanding of scripture. But I am very hesitant as well that, you know, for 1500 years, the church has historically held to eternal conscious torment. And so I sort of very humbly and open-handedly um, uh, walk away from that, but I would not be surprised if that's true as well. So I, I sort of, I sort of want to hold them all open in an open-handed way and um, intention there as well. But I, I think it actually doesn't matter where you land on this. And and sort of the the point of this morning is that um, it's important that we all do our own work. I don't want to just tell you what to believe, and that you probably wouldn't do that anyway. But um, that actually you you do the work. We are all being formed. We are all in relationship with the Holy Spirit. We are all interpreters of, of scripture and working out um, how to faithfully follow Jesus in, in this day and age.